The scripture today is from uh, John, and we are in John 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life in order to take it up again, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I title this sermon, Our Living Hope. And I chose the song intentionally for two reasons. One, because I love it and I hope that you would like it, which clearly you did. Uh, as I wrote the sermon, the lyrics of the song, I kept replaying in my head. Not our living hope so much, but if you caught it in the song, the cross has spoken and I am forgiven. Jesus Christ is my living hope. Now, per usual, per my normal practice, it's my nature to kind of break things down and, and dive into it. I find myself all week dissecting the lyrics as I do the scripture. And so as I ponder those words with you this morning, the cross has spoken. We are forgiven. I wonder if the cross has spoken, how many people in the world are listening? I assume that we're all listening because we're here this morning. I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. But out in the world, how many people are listening to the resurrected hope of Jesus Christ who died for us, who is the good shepherd? Now, you don't have to look too far on social media and the news to see that probably not the majority of folks are listening. I would say many have tuned the cross out and the teachings of Jesus out. So, so much to think about this morning, so much to unpack. This is a familiar scripture. We see familiar language of the sheep and the shepherds actually in the lectionary this week is also Psalm 23, which everybody knows and probably can recite. So lots of language about the sheep and the shepherds. Now, of course, the sheep and the shepherds, these are metaphors. That's, that's how the story is told. It's, it's metaphorical language. So let me share a story with you about my time at MTSO. There's a special kind of torture in seminary. I can recall calling my brother Joe and saying, I cannot believe I have to read four articles all on the 23rd Psalm written by different authors, and I have to write a paper before I even show up. And that was the task. I wasn't even a new student yet. I was a potential new student, and I'd already had to turn in something. But really what that exercise was about, it was getting us to see different perspectives of the 23rd Psalm, different metaphors to describe it. And I don't want to get too far off the beaten path, friends. The Bible is the Bible. It's the inspired Word of God. But my task as a preacher every morning when I stand here is to try to find ways to make it relate to your life. So we use metaphors to do that. So I'm not trying to rearrange the Bible per se. But I want to speak to you about metaphors and how maybe you can make metaphors for your own life as you read this scripture. 
So in the case, one of the articles I read was about a, a native people called the Iway in Africa who didn't, it couldn't relate to the metaphor of the good shepherd because there were no cattle around them and largely um, they just couldn't relate to it. So they used a different metaphor. And friends, I have to tell you, when you come from a family where my mom said the King James Bible was the only Bible and you didn't dare deviate, that's a little hard thing to, to show up your first day and try to wrap your brain around, you know, how are we, are, are we changing the metaphor? But I'm going to kind of do it this morning myself. This is why I'm telling this story. Because I, I think the actual practice is helpful. And it got us in that first day of class, and then it's been three years of that after, is thinking deeply about it and how to apply these scriptures to our personal lives. But i got to tell you, at first I was thinking, you don't mess with the 23rd Psalm. My mom would not approve of this, you know. But let's see. So, but as we gather this morning, how many of us have passed a herd of sheep as we come into church? Probably not many of us. And so I wonder if it's helpful to reconsider the metaphor for the modern day. In other words, what description of the way Jesus takes care of us best speaks to us? Maybe it's not as a shepherd and maybe it's not as us as the flock. Perhaps Jesus needs to be the good life coach in our lives. Or Jesus as our personal trainer as we try to hit weight loss goals. Jesus as our transformational specialist of our life. And you might initially push back on that idea, and that's okay, because I did. But I'm just saying that sometimes if you change the metaphor, you can make it more personal for your life. And I would challenge you to do that sometimes. I wonder if you would consider Jesus as the chief architect and the CEO of your life and your chief conversation partner for your joys and concerns. How much more would that rec- increase your relationship? Because simply put, friends, Jesus gave the folks he was speaking to a metaphor. It was a good metaphor for his time. There were sheep everywhere and there were shepherds everywhere. He was giving them something they could relate to. And I think we need metaphors in our own life that bring deeper meaning to us as we make these stories in the Bible come true in our lives as we relate to them. Now, I'm not asking you to be a pastor. That's the work that, that we do as pastors is to try to tell these stories in new and interesting ways which is the challenge every week when you see something so familiar. How do you bring life to it? But it's not a skill that's only valuable for pastors. I think it's valuable for anyone who reads the Bible. We should internalize these stories and we should make them personal to us. And so we see this language, though, about the bad shepherds, right? The hired hands, if you will. And friends, I just can't help but think how relevant this is to what's going on in our world today. So many voices out there friends. These days it's scary, isn't it? Shopping for toys for our new puppy. And wouldn't you know it now, every time I log into the internet, there's an ad about dog care, dog this and that. It's like people know. And there's all these ads vying for our attention. Ads I didn't ask for. Advice I wasn't seeking. And that's just the way it is. It seems like everyone's trying to lead us these days. But notice how Jesus talks about these hired hands, the bad shepherds, who run at the first sign of trouble, who are self-interested. They stand in stark contrast to Jesus, who didn't flee at the sign of trouble. Jesus saw it through all the way to the end. It still cares, it's still seen 
to it for us today. So there's a difference. Absolutely a difference. The scripture is once again not about who we are or who the bad shepherds are. It's about who Jesus is. Jesus is the provider of true leadership, direction, of peace, of hope, of calmness, of assuredness. Jesus is the one that brings about the blessings in our lives as the good shepherd of our lives, as the chief architect, the life coach, whatever metaphor you want to use in your life. Jesus is the one that brings us through the good times and the character building times. And often, friends, when I, when I think about the 23rd Psalm, it is so powerful now. I'm thankful I've had to dissect it many different ways, but it never says in the 23rd Psalm that Jesus leads us away from the trouble, but rather He's there with us through the trouble. And that's comforting because life does happen. And those character building times do happen in our life, but Jesus is there for us and never abandons us and never will. So friends, it's not about us. It's not about what we do. Matter of fact, it's we can't do anything so wrong that Jesus isn't there for us. But it's Jesus again in the Scripture who always means what He says, always follows through, and is always there for us. And He laid down His life for us. And we know, friends, that Jesus did His speaking through His actions. And the final action, of course, was submitting to the cross, at least His earthly action, before He ascended. But He's here every day with us if we'll allow Him to be. The cross indeed has spoken for those of us who believe. And Jesus is our living hope if we call on the name of Jesus and we walk with Jesus and we trust Jesus every day of our lives. So moving on, now I've challenged us to think maybe about a personal metaphor. We're not going to dive too deep in it, but I just kind of want to get you thinking that way. Just how you view Jesus as your life's leader. Let us think for a second about the sheep and the flock metaphor for just a minute. Not, not in the typical way. Usually when a pastor says that, it's I'm the pastor and this is my flock. And that is true. That is true. I don't want to say that's not true. But I want us to reimagine us being in community together, pastor and laity together, as part of a bigger flock, which we all belong then to God. Yes, there are lines of delineation, but it's a powerful thing in our churches when, when leadership and laity come together. And I would argue... In my first transition, I hadn't, you know, I've been running for three years as fast as I can go, and I don't get to think like I'd like to. But the way our systems are built is the pastor's here for three, four years, maybe shorter, and then we leave. So we bring all these ideas, and then we leave. And the real traction happens is when the laity come together with their ideas and with their strengths, as part as equal in the flock, all in God's family. And that's when things really begin to happen. So that's a learning that I take with me. Is yes, somebody has to be the pastor, but we need to empower our people as we all come together with the ideas that are going to move forward because we're all part of God's kingdom. And we're called together in community. And because of the cross and the crucifixion, we have hope as individuals and as a community. And we are to spread that hope throughout the community and all the places that we gather. We surrender ourselves in community to God's guidance fully and completely with full assurance that we cannot fail together. 
if it's God's plan and we're working together in lockstep as clergy and laity with one action. And one flock is, is more, though, than how we assemble, as I think about that. It's more than how we gather as the body of Christ. We find ourselves examining what Jesus stood for in community as he led by example as Christ's people. We recognize Jesus as much as for what he did as for what he said to others. It's what he stood for. And an amazing thing about Jesus' leadership, if we're talking about now the, the good shepherd and the leader and whatever personally Jesus has done in your life, the amazing thing about Jesus is it stood the test of time. In all my studies and all my reading, even about other religions who know of Jesus, I've not read one thing that's contrary to the character and the teachings of Jesus. That's a powerful statement. And we serve a risen Savior. We're the only religion, in fact, has a risen Savior. Jesus has withstood the test of time, and Jesus continues to lead us today. And as I think about the world today, we need the leadership of Christ, and we need to be the leaders rooted in the body of Christ more than ever. And one flock goes further to mean all people, all the time. Care and love for all. Justice for all. One flock, the body of Christ. And friends, Jesus was more than just a wonder worker. Of course, we know He did miracles, but Jesus was a lover of all people. He embraced the outcast, the oppressed, the overlooked. And so the call for one people led by the image of Jesus is a message the world needs to hear now more than ever. So as I begin to wrap up, I just ask the question, how does the resurrected Jesus speak to you? So how has the cross spoken to you in your life? What does it mean? I haven't quoted Pastor Derek in a while. <laughs> I used to do that all the time when I was new. The poor people at Vivi had to suffer through that. But one day I recall sitting here and he said, if we don't believe in the resurrection, why are we here? And that stuck with me then and it stuck with me now. And so again, I continue to probe that question. How does the resurrected Jesus speak to us? Are we embracing the living hope fully? Because it was for us. So many times from the pulpit, we're talking about all the things we need to do. This morning, I want you to hear what was done for us. And I want you to fully embrace the resurrected Jesus as the one that leads your life like no one else can. So in other words, I ask the question a different way. With all the noise, with all the talking heads in life, what do we need to maybe tune out so that we can hear the voice of Jesus that's never going to misguide us, that's not asking us to buy things we don't need or do things that aren't in the spirit of Jesus? What do we maybe need to tune out to get fully plugged in so that Jesus' voice comes through uninterrupted through all the clutter? Friends, I'm not speaking to any of us directly. We're the choir, right? I'm not speaking, but I'm just thinking in the world right now. I wonder how many folks, given a wide range of issues we're dealing with, are acting in the, the complete opposite way of Jesus. Jesus didn't other people. He embraced them. He went to where the pain was. He embraced the outcasts. He brought peace and love. So I wonder how much time the world is spending making people at odds with each other, and that's not in the spirit of Jesus. It's not the message that was spoken on the cross. 
And I can't run from those thoughts this morning. I'd like to sometimes because it's difficult what's going on out in the world. And I know sometimes it seems like a broken record. And I too sometimes wonder, what more can I do? I try to do the right things. I try to show the love of Jesus and everything, but the world's still broken. What can I do? And friends, all I can say is we just got to keep pressing on. And we have to check ourselves every day to make sure we're listening to the resurrected Jesus and our actions flow from the love of Jesus. That's what we can do. I believe communities are transformed by the folks sitting in the pews that take the message out to the world, not to other people, but to love them with radical love and hospitality. That's what I think. So don't wonder what you can do or don't stay there long. Just keep on doing what you're doing and make sure that message is always of Christ. That's the only solution I see is to make Jesus the first voice that we consult always and to listen to that advice. Follow the true leader. As far as a church body goes, if the body submits to God and seeks to be a place where no one is othered, and you care for each other and you move forward together with all your strengths and talents and love for each other, with radical love and hospitality. You're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay, friends. You'll be well on your way of doing your part to make disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. And as I closed my laptop the other day and I thought I was done, Another thought came to my head, which I, it was always spirit-led. Spirit spoke to me and said, one more thing, Ron. The passage is about who I am, no question. But we need to think about the people in the pews and yourself. We need to think about the people who we are. And friends, we are awesome. We are fearfully made in God's image, no doubt about it. But we're also, as part of our nature, at least I am, we're independent. And sometimes we think, well, we can shortcut the process. I'm going to do this thing my way. And perhaps we're listening just a little bit too much to our own success tape. Or maybe the stuff that's going on out in the world. And so I think we need to remember who Jesus is, but also remember who we are. And go to the Father who loves us. Ask for guidance and move forward with love and respect for all people. So whatever metaphor works for you, how Jesus guides you through your life, embrace it, friends. Run with it. Live into it. When you do, watch how your challenges of life just get much easier. Watch how the peace and direction and forgiveness and assurance come to you. And always we're promised eternal life. That's the greatest reward. Jesus used examples that fit the day. Let us do the same, but let us always shine the light of Christ in the world. God bless you all. Amen. If you would please stand as you are comfortable. We have uh, an old-fashioned organ version of He Leadeth Me.